What's up, everyone? This is Mike Sorelli with the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior. We've got a great guest today, Dr. Jeff McNary, who we're going to get to know very intimately uh, over the next few months and into uh, to January as we have a... Jeff, I don't know how to... This is an exploration of sorts into uh, plant-based medicine. Uh, and to set the stage for everyone, uh, Dr. Uh, Jeff McNary uh, works with Rhythmia Resort in Costa Rica, a plant-based medicine all-inclusive resort. Myself, and this is a good crew of people, myself, probably the uh, the least impressive of the group, uh, a guy named John Wellborn, who's an NFL veteran, uh, power athlete, CEO. Uh, we've got Dr. Kirk Parsley, who's been on the podcast before, as well as John. Uh, Doc was a, a former SEAL and also Navy retired Navy doctor, who's now in human performance. We've got Sanjay Ribeiro, who's a multi-time uh, world champion jujitsu practitioner. Uh, sometimes people have called him the Michael Jordan of uh, Brazilian jujitsu. And then we've got a last minute ad, Ramon Colon Lopez, we call him CZ, also a uh, special operations guy, Air Force pararescueman. And he was the SEAC, which is the most senior enlisted person in DOD. He sits right next to the uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs which was for most of his tenure, uh, General Miley, which may sound familiar to some of you. So uh, some of us have done plant-based medicine, but I think this is a unique uh, in, uh, sort of experience for those that have. Um, my Ibogaine experience was, was an eye-opener, but seven days straight of it uh, is going to be very interesting. Jeff, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And as you named all the guys that are going to be coming, I need to batten down the hatches <laughs> at Rhythmia. It's going to be a great, a great week. I'm excited about it. Yeah. You know, if you've got to watch out for anyone, it's probably uh, Sean Sanjay, who John, uh, John said is just a free spirit. But, uh, you know, funny enough, I was with John actually at Kirk's wedding on Veterans Day. And, uh, John, who's, you know, here's a strapping 300 pound man, total beast. And I think you'll love this. He was an offensive lineman and probably one of the most fit, fit offensive linemen in the history of the NFL at 8% wow. at one point. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, you, you think that nothing scares him. And since this is his first go around, as well as it will be for CZ, he's a little, he's a little anxious. He doesn't know how he's going to react to the, uh, the medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a healthy approach to be honest, because I've, I've sat with the medicine hundreds of times and every time I do it, I'm a little nervous just cause you know, you don't know what's going to present itself, but at the end you always realize it's what you needed, you know, for your life to improve yourself. And so it's always a good experience, but sometimes a little rocky, you know, and, and uh, we can get into that of course, while we talk and kind of give some preface about how this is going to go for everybody. <laughs> Uh, I definitely have a question on, on, you know, I've heard some guys who, who've used plant-based medicine over and over again, who say they, they, they learn how to control it. Uh, that was not my first experience with Ibogaine. I think it threw, <laughs> it threw at me what I needed to be thrown at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you so, find that to be true with plant-based medicine? The more you do well, it? Well, I think, um, you learn how to set intention as you go further. Like the first few times, like I remember my first plant medicine was also Iboga and, now we run a facility with, with ayahuasca, but, um, I think at the beginning you, it's, it's new territory. So you kind of just, the, the medicine has, 
it wants to show you some things about yourself and it wants to kind of introduce you to the process. And so it's kind of like these unknowns at the beginning and it just, it is what it is. It happens like it needs to. But then as time goes on, you become familiar with the medicine, the medicine becomes familiar with you, and then you can set intentions and you can kind of have like these sort of these ways about achieving them that's helpful. Now, of course, that all goes out the window um, if you if you participate with a lot of it, if you have a, a high level of it going in, if you drink a lot or, or ingest a lot, then that's that's off the table. It's kind of takes you where you need to be, right? But, <laughs> but uh, I, I think as time goes on, you do become more I guess not, not familiar with, well, I guess it is familiar. It's like seasoned. You like how a shaman works with the medicine deeply, intimately. Like you, you, you are, you're on that path of more connection to it. I swear to God, I thought you were going to say the, the medicine had an agenda, uh, but you, you took it a different direction. I'm like, Oh boy. Um, yeah, that could be a little weird if that was the case. <laughs> well, Jeff, give everyone your background. Uh, from where you were born and raised to what led you to your work at Rhythmia? Sure. So I'm from Los Angeles. Um, my, my, I'm a fourth generation LA guy, which is unheard of these days. My great grandparents are from Los Angeles and uh, grew up in a rough area of Northeast LA and uh, always was very studious, I think, because that kept me out of trouble and eventually got into undergrad and studied medical anthropology with a Latin American studies focus. And then um, got into a master's degree in public health at UCLA, where I learned how to run health programs and how to license facilities. Worked in the OBGYN department at UCLA for a long time, and I applied to medical school, got into medical school to become a, a doctor. But then I, I, at that point in my career, I was learning that um, managed care and the Western model that was looking at symptoms all the time wasn't really resonating with sort of my belief system. I, I always felt like it was more important to resolve underlying causes of things as opposed to just medicating or treating the symptoms of stuff. Now, obviously, treating symptoms are very important when there's a crisis. If somebody's unstable or suicidal or, or in crisis, you want them to stabilize. But um, long term, to kind of get to the root cause of what's happening, I didn't. I was I was becoming disillusioned with the healthcare model. So. I, I didn't go to medical school. I scrapped it and I moved to Hawaii. My wife was from Maui and I worked for the Department of Health on Oahu. And that's where I really got into like the cultural side of medicine and healthcare with working with native Hawaiian families. I saw that um, the, the protocols that I was being taught in a Western model on how to help my native Hawaiian families overcome addiction, anxiety, depression were not resonating culturally with them. And so I started to look at different approaches, more holistic more culture-based, more family-based, just different sort of ways. And my numbers of improvement with my clients started to go up. And that's where I realized I wanted to get a doctorate in psychology. So I moved back to California and studied, got my doctorate in, in, uh, in clinical psych. And that's where I managed a rehab called Passages Malibu. I was the administrative director for about eight years. That's where I really saw um, addiction and how you could treat it in a non 12 step way as an alternative method and get some good results because passages was like the first non 12 step rehab that was in the mainstream. Now there's tons of them. But uh, back then I learned like, wow, check it out. Like spiritual counseling is a valid thing. It helps people define a sense of purpose or uh, body work, you know, with acupuncture, Eastern philosophy things are helpful for these other stuff. So I saw like this blend of what I learned in school at UCLA and in my doctorate, 
And then I saw these holistic sort of Eastern stuff sort of come together. So it kind of was setting the stage for me to um, accept plant medicine as a modality. So eventually this guy came into the rehab named Jerry Powell. He's the CEO of Rhythmia now, but he came in as a patient and him and I hit it off and we worked together. And I, I dealt with this dude. I say the word dealt with because he was a nightmare. <laughs> That's weird. He, he admits that himself. He was a rough guy, you know, just addicted to all kinds of drugs and alcohol. He was abusive to people. He was out of control. Multimillionaire, super successful guy, but just miserable himself. He, he was very upset. He hated people. He hated himself, really. And he tried plant medicine on a whim because he was becoming suicidal. And he said, you know, he heard that that would help him. So he, he went down to Costa Rica and just tried it kind of not knowing what to expect. And it completely did a 180 with him and helped him completely stop doing his, his, his old behaviors. So when he got back to Los Angeles, I was expecting to see the same old dude, you know, just this madman. And he, he had turned over a new leaf and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I was really skeptical because I had never heard anything like that before. So he invited me to come down with them. And uh, two weeks later, I was in Costa Rica and we were, we were participating in plant medicine ceremonies. And that's where I'm like, this is a very important modality that we can use for addiction, trauma, anxiety, depression, all kinds of things that can help people. Because, you know, my private practice that I've been running in, in Los Angeles for years, I was hitting dead end walls with people because just nothing that I was being given as tools were actually fixing anybody. And you really had to do internal work. And I, I was struggling with how do you help, how do you help somebody do internal work? And the plant medicine was the answer that I found. So that's kind of how that all started. And so Jerry came to you and said, Hey, Jeff, let's do this. Let's start a resort. I'll fund it. I'll find investors. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's impact more people at a greater rate. Yeah. Because when we were in Costa Rica, the place we were, we were participating in the, in the medicine was just some rundown dirty, super sketchy house out in the jungle. And we're like, nobody's going to come to a place like this. I mean, a few people would, but this isn't going to reach the masses and the masses need healing. So that's where he said, let's start do let's, let's look for a place that's real, like a facility. Let's get it medically licensed. Let's do it by the book. Let's have it be safe. Let's get doctors involved. Let's get the government involved. So I'm like, man, where do I sign up? So I immediately got rid of everything in Los Angeles. I tapered off my clients. I it took me about six months to kind of transition out. And I moved to Costa Rica full time. That was about 10 years ago. And I've been there ever since. And we that's what started with me as we, we opened up that place in 2016. You, you just brought up something. So explain to me why the setting is so important to this journey from the music to, to how the room's laid out, to, to, to just making someone as comfortable as possible in order to get the maximum benefit from the plant-based medicine. Most people that are on a journey of self-realization or to overcome a mental health issue, like even if it's mild depression, for example, they usually feel on guard and defensive and they don't trust many people or many things at all. And they've probably tried a lot of things and it's all failed. So in order to, to go deep into the process that they need to get to and go within, they have to feel safe. You can't be in some sketchy environment where you don't know who the people are around you, or you don't know what the shaman's intentions are, or you don't know like, you know, what could happen in a minute's notice. You have to feel that you're in a safe place with people that are trained with, with a facility that's clean and you have to build confidence in the, in the environment. And then 
that part you were mentioning about music and the ritual side of it, like the shamanic sort of cultural side of it. And me studying medical anthropology, it's the part I love about it is it it's, it's a rite of passage for people and in, in human society and human culture back to the beginning of time, we're defined, I believe in tribal sort of groups and that can be a tribal group that's online nowadays, but it's something that we feel a part of something and we can really become a member of a group or a society or a group, a tribe by being participants in a cultural sort of ritual significant act. And that is what the music represents. That's what the, the, the saging of the space represents. That's what the shamans, they do some chanting called ikaros that are really cool. And all of that is helpful in order to create a rite of passage, but also allow the person to feel safe and to become vulnerable in a way that's healthy so they can go deep. Let's talk about Western medicine. And so we've heard this often with people in your space, and we, we've had a few shows on plant-based medicine and the healing power of it. Western, I mean, this isn't set up in California due to obvious reasons, legalities, yeah. approvals. Do, do you feel like big pharma is somewhat blocking uh, the, 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 the adoption of this within the United States? Well, you know, I think that I think the big pharma, like any big business is, you know, they're about making money and about responsible uh, things to shareholders. So, you know, I think with the, the model that I like to compare it to is the cannabis model. It's like, you know, it really required a grassroots um, demand that cannabis become more legal and more, more, more acceptable in the mainstream world. Because, you know, you, how are you going to tell a, a, a family that their 10-year-old daughter can't take CBD for their seizures, right? So it, it was just something that was a demand. And the pharmaceutical company um, companies, once they saw that this was a, um, like a movement they couldn't, let's say, I guess, stop, then they got involved in it and they got involved. It, it, I would say they were probably at the, at the forefront of stopping it until that point, right? Kind of impeding it just for business reasons. You know, they had a corner on the market on mental health <laughs> in their opinion. And, and so I think there's a similar sort of vibe with plant-based medicine is that, you know, if, if I need, if I'm on antidepressants for 10 years, you know, and I'm on a, a, an anti-anxiety medication as needed and I'm on a sleep medication, then I'm on another med. I'm on four or five meds. You know, I'm a I'm a, a gold mine to to the medical industry and Western medicine pharmaceuticals. If I was to just completely get off of those meds, then you know how am I? How is the system making money off me? Right. So, I think I think there's there's something to it, but it's not so much. I I, I tend to stray away from like the insidious nature of mm -hmm. somebody rubbing their hands and going ah ha ha. You know, I I think it's more about like. The business side of just everything that's involved in capitalism. And, and I think that if the pharmaceutical industry could see a benefit in um, resolving and healing things and getting people on a path of, because, you know, it's not a magic pill, right? Like you drink the medicine, you participate. It's not like you, there's nothing else you have to ever do. I mean, you still have to use the tools. You have to be involved in healthy activities. You have to yeah. do certain yeah. things, right? So there's there's a whole nother huge market that's out there if people start if the pharmaceutical industry just starts to look down those roads. They I think they can make a thousandfold what they're making now in the in the industry of healing. I, I think that there's something to that for sure. To say the uh, that big pharma and the medical system have a uh, patent on mental health, uh, <laughs> I'd say look at the scorecard. <laughs> You know, you've got people that come to Rhythmia for 
multiple different re- reasons that whether that's addiction, mental health, talk to me about maybe two or three or five of, of the primary reasons you see people come to Rhythmia. Number one reason is trauma. Number one, number one. So whether it's PTS from guys in the military or whether it's people that have been through abuse as kids or even recent abuse or loss of a family member. We have a lot of parents that come that just lost a, um, a kid, you know, one of their children. We have uh, people going through divorce. We have people, a lot, a lot of trauma. I say that's number one. And then number two would be depression, you know, and 85% of our guests that had to get off of their SSRI medication because that's part of the requirements to mm-hmm. drink ayahuasca. You have to be off SSRIs for like 30 days minimum. Um, of those people that did that, and then they did our week-long program, 85% of them did not go back to their meds. How, that's incredible, right? That's an amazing statistic. So I would say trauma first, then then depression. And anxiety is is part of PTS. So th- there's always anxiety issues everywhere. But um, I think that addiction, now while we're not an addiction facility, uh, we have a lot of people that have struggled with addiction in the past. And you have to have some solid sobriety before you uh, participate in our program for various reasons. Uh, first of all, the, um, if you're recently sober, let's say two weeks sober, um, you're not your your neurochemistry isn't ready for what we're offering, and you could get triggered by the process of healing. So it's really important to have some solid sobriety going before you participate in our program. But for those that have an addiction history. It's really, really helpful. And, and what people often overlook are the behavioral addictions. Now, when I was in, in, my, in my program in school, um, I'd do a lot of internships and five, five of them, to be honest, uh, that were a year long each. And one of them was at a sexual addiction facility. And I had to deal with guys that were, had porn addiction and all kinds of different sexual compulsive behavior. And those people do very well with plant medicine. And, and, and the eating disorder addictions and the shopping addictions and the gambling addictions, all the behavioral addictions do very, very well with this. So those people don't have to wait for like a sobriety time. They can come right off the bat, right? So I'm talking more about chemical dependency addiction that we mm-hmm. need to have some solid mm-hmm. sobriety for that one. So I'd say those are the main groups, you know, that we have at Rhythmia. What is it about the medicine? And, and I guess your holistic process but specifically, I want to start with the medicine. What is it about the me- medicine that makes it so effective where the Western world is, uh, is failing? Well, in the West, there's generally two camps of thought for, for almost all issues. So the, the, a good example would be addiction. So in the old days, like of early uh, inpatient recovery, it's like, all right, you got all the medical doctors who are like, this is a chemical dependency issue. We got to get you on meds. We got to get you sober. We got to get you to not drink alcohol. We got to get you to whatever, right? And then there's this other camp, which are the psychologists or the mental health therapists who are thinking, or the addiction counselors who are thinking, it's about the triggers. It's about the environment. It's about your relationships. It's about how you were raised as a kid. It's about all this behavioral stuff. And so these two camps often fought each other because each had, they thought their way was more important and more responsible for addiction. So, So what happens is, when you go into a rehab for recovery for drugs and alcohol, the first two to three weeks, you're detoxing. And then, then the last week or week and a half, you're supposed to be engaging in therapy or groups. And it's just, it just doesn't work. And that's why the statistics are so low for that. It's mm. 12% stay sober after a rehab visit, right? It's ridiculous, right? It's almost pointless to even go to one, to be honest. So what the plant medicine does is it merges those two camps 
of thought into one process. Because with ayahuasca in particular, also iboga and ibogaine also, but with, with rhythmia, what we're doing with, with ayahuasca, it resets and recalibrates the dopamine receptors in the brain. It also adjusts the 5-HTP receptors that lead to the serotonin regulation within the synaptic cleft of the neurons. So what's happening is you're getting a, like a neurochemical reboot and your, your cravings that are physical in nature, the withdrawal, the, the, the chemical dependency part of addiction gets resolved very quickly through the neurochemical, as we call it, the synaptic plasticity of the brain and the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex working together. So that's one camp that gets fixed very, very well within the medicine scenario. The other part is the behavioral, the spiritual, the, the personality you know, type. And so what happens is through the monoamine oxidase inhibitor component of the ayahuasca that you drink, what ends up happening because there's these things called beta carbolines, which are plant-based alkaloids that are in the medicine itself in the vine component. Those allow the DMT, which is the, the active ingredient, to be absorbed into the bloodstream through the stomach and through the intestines. And when that DMT is absorbed, what ends up happening in the brain, because it crosses the blood-brain barrier, is that visuals for some people show up, memories and emotional releases occur. And the reason for that is because if I'm if I'm like, I had trauma, let's say at age five, and I was in, in an abusive situation with my dad, which I was not, thank God, but let's say I was. Well, now I don't trust men. I don't trust people. I don't trust anybody. And I'm, I'm alone and I'm lonely. And I'm, I'm kind of like, not sure why. Because, oh, well, my dad was rough when I was a kid. So was everybody's who cares kind of thing. But then I drink the medicine. I see that there was this key time in my life where I, was, I felt alone. Because my mom was going to have another baby. I was all of a sudden not the only kid and all these kind of things. I'm like, wow, I remember all of this stuff. I, I totally didn't think about that. And then an emotional release surfaces and my memories come back. And then I get this experience where I can feel sad. I can feel happy. I can feel angry. Whatever it might be, I, I release from whatever I'm storing in the amygdala. Because that part of the brain is where we absorb our, our subconscious emotional sort of historical trauma. That's where that stays. And it stays there for a reason because I need to survive in my life. And if I have my emotions always on the forefront of my existence, I'm not very effective. So what happens is you drink ayahuasca, the prefrontal cortex, or the, I'm sorry, the amygdala opens up and connects the prefrontal cortex. And that's where I have these breakthroughs, these awarenesses like, wow, my dad loved me. He just was busy. He was, he was 20 years old when he had me. He was working hard. He just wasn't around. He was stressed out. And I can kind of like own and accept that that was just the, the time of life. And I don't need it to set the stage for my life now. And I can lower my guard. I can be more connected to people. So, so really, the reason why this medicine works so well is because, it's as I say, it's a two-pronged approach to all these issues, neurochemical mm. and then behavioral together in one experience. The way you just described it makes uh, makes me excited. Yet I think the uh, the the anxiety will be there just a uh, a bit. <laughs> In that vein, you know, what do you tell these four guys who come from common backgrounds? You know, within our households, you know, I think we use the word psychedelics. It still has a negative connotation. You, you know, sure. With the, you were we're from the Bay Area. We yeah. always think the hippies of uh, of the sixties and seventies, <laughs> yeah, uh, still probably probably using it. What what would you suggest to us to drop our guard to get the maximum benefit from this trip? 
And, and what I, work what work can we do personally before even mm-hmm. uh, before arriving? Well, you know, it's it's a bit overwhelming to think like, okay, I'm going to have to face myself soon here. Like, what does that even mm. mean? Like, it's a little over, a little daunting. So the good news is, what we're going to do day one at Rhythmia on Monday morning is we're going to put you guys in a class, and we're going to show you that there's these three broad intentions that we're going to help you set that resolve all the issues you might have on your list of things you want to work on. And they're very simple key things. And so that's a big part of it. We're going to give you a lot of instruction on how to handle the medicine in the, in the moment during the week. And the preparation for that week has a lot to do with how you eat, what, what, um, how much sleep you get, if you stay hydrated and also not trying to control the process. Now, everybody that you listed on that list, has had a lot of success in life by controlling the process, right? And, and there's a lot to be said about that. And that is who they are. I'm the same way. I have a lot of control issues. That's why I am who I am. And it's led to success. However, the medicine will lead you to where you need to be based on what's important for your life. So you could just relax, in other words. There's nothing to be afraid of because the, the fear comes from fighting the process, I've had old ladies, you know, who are 96 years old drink the medicine. I shouldn't say old ladies. I've had these wonderful, beautiful women who are in their 90s drink the medicine and teach me a ton about the process. And all they did was they relaxed and they just let the process happen because this is all within us. This isn't some external, uh, you know, weird thing on the outside happening to us. This is us tapping into our true potential and our true self. It is opening up us. The expansion is from within, you know? Now I'm starting to sound like one of those guys in the Bay Area, right? But, <laughs> but expansion comes from everything within us that we already have. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. It's all within you. And I would say, you know, the good news is we dose everybody very gently. We give people about a quarter to a half of an ounce or maybe one ounce. And we see how you're feeling. You know, we have medical doctors there. We have a paramedic there. We have nurses. There's all kinds of clinical people. We have a four to one, sometimes a six to one ratio on guest to staff in the ceremony space. It's a lot of people there, a lot of hands, a lot of eyes on you. And, you know, I think like when I get nervous, I just start to breathe. and I remember who I am and I just connect to myself. And that's it. Breathing is a big part of it. Just remembering. And, you know, in therapy, I used to tell people just to tap and touch yourself like this on your, on your chest with your hand, because that's showing you like, Hey, I'm right here. You know, I haven't gone anywhere. (laughs) I'm right here. So the food is key to prepare your body. You know, people always get worried like, Oh, I'm going to be throwing up all the time. Only about 50% of our guests will throw up. It doesn't mean, you know, you don't have to throw up. Not everybody does. I rarely do. And the medicine will work best with your body if your body is clean. And I'm sure those guys that you're you're coming with and you are clean eaters and healthy people. So your body will respond very well, you know? Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you give me the quarter ounce dose? Just ramp these other guys up to two ounces. Let's just be safe here. Um, (laughs) But I know we can't video record the actual journey, but hey, walk me through. I know most people arrive on a Saturday. Walk me through what the schedule looks like. And I know you guys, again, there's a lot of things that people don't see unless they go to the website of all the other therapies you're going through throughout yeah. the seven-day process. Correct. Well, once you, once you land at the airport, one of our own shuttles picks you up, brings you to the resort by an hour drive. Beautiful area, Costa Rica, right on the right on the Pacific side of the northern coast, 
and you go through a medical triage intake, a clinical interview and a nursing interview. You've already been cleared medically on the phone with your intake person. So it's not like mm-hmm. there's any surprises there, but you know, we just check your blood pressure, make sure you feel safe and comfortable. Then you go to an orientation class and get like the lay of the land. It's on a beautiful campus of, you know, it's a boutique hotel that we bought and turned into a, um, into Rhythmia. So it has a pool and has an amazing restaurant, all these cool jungly area and hammocks and stuff Uh, it has a full spa with ice plunge sauna uh volcanic mud massage i mean it's really really comfortable five-star sort of situation and then monday morning or sorry sunday night and saturday night you have a breath work session so breath work is a big part of what we do as well gets you prepared for the ayahuasca which is monday night is the first one so you got two sessions of breath work Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday morning, you're in a class where, like I was mentioning earlier, you talk about the intention setting, get you familiar with the process. And then you have amazing food for breakfast and lunch. We don't eat dinner during the week because you want to keep your stomach empty for the ceremony. And the food is really incredible. That's like my favorite part of being there. It's like it's just eating. You know, <laughs> The food is really healthy, really good. And then uh, that night, the ceremony of ayahuasca starts at 5.30 p.m. And it goes until about maybe 1.30 or 2 a.m. And then you could go back to your room and you know, you're, you're accompanied back to your room, escorted back. You know, if you need to stay longer in the ceremony space, you can. We have a full urgent care clinic that we run that's really – they're bored in there. They're just playing dominoes most of the time because it's like the medicine's really safe. But we do – part of our medical license requires a medical <laughs> facility. So we have that on the, on the campus. And then the next day, Tuesday, we got yo- you got yoga going on in the morning. You have another class of plant integration that helps you talk about like what happened the night before. How do you incorporate that into your life? Give you some pointers. Then you prep for that, that next night of ayahuasca. And then you have another ceremony Tuesday night. And it kind of repeats like that Wednesday night and Thursday night. But during the week, there's meditation classes. There's yoga classes every morning. And there's the plant integration classes. And then I give a class Thursday morning on the science behind this. And the therapeutic side about like what's going on. And so a lot of what I'm talking about with you right now, I talk about on that Thursday class. I get it more into like the, the biochemistry of this whole thing. So it's really exciting. And so, so Friday morning is you're done with the medicine. Thursday night is the last ceremony. And it's a Colombian shaman with a Colombian yahe tradition, which starts a little bit later. And it goes until the, the next morning. So that, that Thursday night one is like the grand finale where you get everything resolved that you need to. And like I said earlier, we teach you these three intentions and you work on those during the week and everything else kind of fits into that sort of process during the, during the week. Talk to me about, I mean, do, do people feel well rested when they leave this experience? Uh, When they leave? Yes. While they're there? No, (laughs) they are tired. They're very tired when you're there because, um, the ceremonies go until, like I said, about two in the morning, yeah. most of them. Um, sometimes it's hard to sleep when you get home because your, your brain is going and your soul is ramping and you're figuring all kinds of cool stuff out. You're journaling, you know, you're writing down things. You're talking to other guests, talking to people. So it's actually a really dynamic, um, exciting time. So people are very tired, but there's time to take naps if you need to. There's all that. When they leave on the weekend, we've, we've structured the program so that people are, are able to leave on a Saturday or Sunday like they came in before, the week before. They get back to work. They get back to work on Monday. You know, Some people take in a couple extra days off, but we don't, we don't say that you have to do that. People are back to work Mondays, you know, and we have you know aftercare program that we set people up with. 
and help them transition home. My class on Thursday is also about transitioning home and how to how to follow an aftercare program that's specific to each person. So, you know, they are very well rested. They're actually very tired too, but less tired on Saturday and Sunday. They've gotten some good rest yeah. by then. Talk to me about the community aspect, because I know that's big for you guys. You've got guests coming from all stretches uh, of professions from all around the world. Is there a sense of community? Yeah, we put everybody into, not everyone has Facebook, but like I don't have Facebook, but everybody goes into a Facebook group for their week so they can connect with each other. And, Hmm. um, but what ends up happening, even aside from that, is that people form these bonds because when everybody's healing together, everybody's connecting. Hmm. And everybody becomes like just friend, best friends. And they, they often come back like for reunions. We have reunions all the time. You know, people come back a year later to go deeper or, or they'll bring their friends or their family that, that, you know, a lot of people come by themselves, you know, so they come back with their spouse or their buddies or something. And it's been really cool. The community side, because a lot of the people that come, you know, they go back home and they, there's nobody like, you know, the things like this where they live, like in Sandusky, Ohio, there's not a lot of people drinking ayahuasca, you know? So, (laughs) so they get that sense of community with this Facebook group, with the aftercare program and by meeting all the people when they're there. You know, you talk about the transition. I I know there's work that you've got to put in time that you've got to put, put in to, to truly sort of protract the results and make those behavioral changes um, rather than just going back to your old, you know, habitual uh, way of life, which probably aided to the trauma. And as you said, for some people that that could be drinking alcohol, whatever it, it could be. What is, what is that aftercare, that transition in that personal work look like on the back end of this? I would say, you know, the, the next three months are the, the biggest challenges for people. And that's where they have to really be careful and follow their aftercare plan, which involves a daily practice, healthy food, uh, abstaining from alcohol, uh, you know, if they can, and not going back to, you know, medication unless it's prescribed by their physician and they're following their doctor's orders, of course. But um, the next three months are a transitionary time. We recommend that people don't participate in any plant medicine ceremonies for at least nine weeks after ayahuasca with us. Because you have to let all this stuff sink in and settle in. And, you know, people that want to kind of just look at it like a magic bullet, they're often uh, disappointed because you really got to put in the work beforehand, during, and then using the tools afterwards. So I'd say like after the first three months are gone and the people have gotten through that and the transition, the next three months, so the six months out, that's where where the, the rubber hits the pavement, right? Is that Mm -hmm. that's where we can tell them. We sent out a survey to people six months out and we're checking on them. We're saying like, how are you guys doing? Like, are you still feeling the process in you? Or like what's going on? And 92% of our people that respond to that say that the medicine is in there. They're dramatically better than they were. And they're still sticking to the plan. So I would say six months is kind of like the window to lock in this new way, you know? Interesting. Um, You know, You've got three special operations guys all retired coming through this. Uh, one who's been actively involved in this this modality for veterans dealing with PTSD. You've got CZ, again, who was the most senior enlisted in the entire U.S. military, who's interested 
in, in being vulnerable. I mean, here you have this guy who's like the pinnacle of professionalism to open up his aperture to something like this. I've seen a lot of vets come back and it's just like psychedelics are the answer. And what I mean by that is it's just like they're, they're using psychedelics. It's almost like they replaced alcoholism with this, 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 yeah. this modality. And it's like, ah, that yeah. may be a little, <laughs> you, you may be taking it to the extremes. Yes. I, I guess where I'm going with that man is, and I'm sure it's different strokes for different folks. What is, repeat usage or journeys look like for some people, for some people is it, they do it once it put them on a, on a correct path. Some people they've got to integrate the medicine every, every quarter, half a year, every year. Uh, what have you seen in your long tenure in, uh, in this, this, this realm? I love this question. Cause I get it frequently, you know, and my, my goal with people is it's a one and done. That's the goal. You come, you get reset. You get focused, you heal the, the pain and the trauma, and then you move forward in a productive way. You don't ever need it again. That's like the goal. Now, is that the, the realistic option for everybody? No, it's not necessarily. It is for a lot of people, though. 33% of our guests come back. So I would say it's a pretty good thing for most of the people. So about 66%, it's a one and done. So that's really good. That's the goal. Now, the 33% that come back, why are they coming back? Well, they didn't go deep enough, they believe, or they just ignored the intentions that we taught them, or they, they're, they're, another reason is they're coming back with friends and family, and that's cool, right? But, but as far as their own personal reasons, you know, if you got somebody that's had 15 years of sexual trauma as a child versus somebody that didn't have any who, you know, is going through a divorce and that's kind of their main trauma, that's a very different process, right? And the person is, is a lot more guarded in the childhood trauma experience. And so sometimes, depending on where they're at in their life, the support system they might have at home, what kind of work they've done before, it might require a couple visits, you know, for them, potentially. But I've seen people with that same history just come once and get it handled and be good. So it really depends on the person. But I would say, you know, 60 plus percent of our guests, it's a one and done They've, they've reset their whole life and they move forward. And that's, that's the goal. That's what we really want to have happen. You know, man, I, I watched some of the, the video testimonials at the end. You guys have a, it's almost a, uh, I'll, I'll refrain from saying cult like, but it's, <laughs> I mean, they've got smiles. You can yeah. tell they're, they're passionate about what they're saying. I mean, yeah. those are, those are 10 star, uh, reviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah. your, what are your net promoter scores has got to be like 9.9. <laughs> 9. It's, yeah. it's insane, man. You know, the reason for that is because, is because this program empowers the individual. Like every other program I've ever been affiliated with ever in the history of my career has been like, well, at UCLA medical center, we're the best in the world. So the reason you're better is because we're so awesome. Like that's kind of the message, right? Or I'm this amazing specialist therapist who's like got 30 years of experience and you're lucky to be in an office with me and I'm $500 an hour and you're better because of me. So like, that's kind of what people have gotten used to is like all this specialty stuff that they're, that they're participating in. But this program makes the individual, the healer, it makes them the healer of themselves and it shows them how to do it. And that's why they're so happy because they're finally like, wow, I did this. The only thing we do at Rhythmia is we provide a safe environment and we point you in the right direction. That's it. And the rest of it is up to you. 
And some people are just like so eager to do this work that they just dive in. And that's why they feel like that. That's why those testimonials are like that. It's really beautiful to watch. And, and on that note, you know, we, we had started the planning. I think Kelly Slater's on the board, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I interviewed Kelly Slater and we talked about Rhythmia and then just by total chance, Jen, uh, Jen reached out and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in doing wow. a story? Cool. So, uh, you know, as I was planning this probably two months in, and we've been talking for a few months now, one of my buddies who's a former force recon Marine, uh, heard me say Rhythmia and this smile comes to his face. And this is one of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet. And he said, I was going through major depression, questioning my life and Rhythmia was life-changing. He said the people that worked with him saw a total difference. And Amazing. actually he's consider he's considering coming back out just to spend the week with us, but not oh, go through cool. the journey. Because cool. he said, I, I wouldn't want to disrupt the work I put in and in, in, in uh -huh. the path I'm on now. Awesome. But but I, I've I've rarely ever seen people talk about a service the way they do. And I, I guess what I would encourage everyone is again, John Wellborn, Sanjay Ribeiro. Myself, uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley, uh, Ramon Colon Lopez are all coming out 6 January to 13 January of 2024. Go to rhythmia.com. Join us. Join us on this journey. It's going to be a journey for us. A lot of us don't know what to expect, um, but we'll go through it together. You'll be part of this community. If you need a reset, what better way to start 2024? I couldn't think of a better New Year's resolution. Um, Jeff, any, any final words for those that are maybe teetering on the fence and struggling with, I guess, uh, previously public perceptions of, of this type of, uh, of treatment? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing, Jerry, the CEO, my, my buddy and best friend in the world and me, the chief medical officer, we are not these woo woo hippie guru weirdos that, be, that we don't like that vibe. This is a real facility with real people and real healing. We are tired of having the veteran community kill, kill themselves at 22 people a day. That's unacceptable. No, no, no person on the planet should be okay with that happening. It's a, it's a tragedy. And so this program and what we're doing is not only helping veterans, but it's helping everybody in the world that comes and, and it wants this healing for themselves. You know, what I always say is that you, the way the world changes isn't by going out and making all these big things happen out in the world. It's about changing yourself. Mm -hmm. And once you've changed yourself and have love for you and you have truly love who you are, then you can have empathy for people. And when you have empathy for people, you feel what they are feeling. And if you are feeling what someone else feels, you don't want that person to feel sad. You don't want them to feel upset or hurt or damaged. And that's how you can make change because you're actually feeling the world's pain and you want it to heal. And so heal yourself first and then heal the world. And that's the goal of Rhythmia. I think anything that will make you kinder, respect, more respectful and empathetic uh, has to be looked at very seriously. And the way you just laid that out, man, I think you just, you totally convinced me to drop my guard and just be open-minded to, to this journey. And thank you for mentioning veterans. I know CZ, Kirk, and I definitely said, Jen, hey, we want to talk to you. How do, we, how do we get the word out there? How do we open this up for more veterans to include their wonderful spouses 
who dealt with the the anxiety of whether their their family member and I know you know Saturday was Veterans Day, yeah, worried constantly about whether their loved one is going to come home, and so they suffer through trauma as well, Big seeing time. their loved one change as they as they come back from uh, from war. Jeff, you, you guys are doing God's work. Uh, I cannot wait to meet you in person. I can't wait to bring this uh, ragtag group of misfits out with me. Uh, I make no promises through your problem. Once we, uh, we arrive, <laughs> tell Sanjay, tell Sanjay, look out. I just got my blue belt, man. I'm coming for him. <laughs> oh God. Well, I guess roll, roll the mats out. Cause John, John loves to roll as well. So, uh, maybe we'll make some time on the lawn yeah. uh, and have some fun, man. Right on. Thanks. So okay. Much, hey, man. lastly, I'm excited, I'm hey, excited to meet you. Thank guys. you. It's gonna be cool. Likewise. And again, everyone, one or six January to 13 January of this year. So basically a month and a half away, uh, go to rhythmia.com, sign up. We'll drop a code. Rhythmia was kind enough to drop a code, uh, to, to take some money off, to make it more affordable for vets. Anyone listening, I don't care what you do, whether you're a veteran, a professional in any industry, everyone suffers trauma. Everyone suffers executive burnout. Hey, hey why not? If, if you got the, the income to, to do it, go reset. All right, Jeff. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. All right, guys, out here and we'll see you next time.